This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Good morning to you. Welcome in to the Action Line from WGNS this morning. We are focusing on Middle Tennessee State University. Go Big Blue. And we've got quite a few topics we're going to cover this morning. In our first segment, we're going to be looking at the Human Resource Management Division. And uh, our first guest is Dr. Christy Abston from the HR Department at MTSU. Uh, first of all, good morning to you. How are you today? Good morning to you. Thanks for having me. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining us. Tell us a little about this new program that MTSU is doing in human resource management, some some changes you're making there. Yes. So I'm in the Department of Management in the Jones College of Business, and last year the whole department started looking at the management major and exploring ways that we could make it more value-added for students. And one of the things that was always of interest to us was exploring, offering something more specific in human resource management because we have five faculty who can cover that area, including myself. And so one of the things that we, we proposed last year was a concentration by taking five of the courses that we were already doing and redesigning them to align with the Society of Human Resource Management's guidelines for academic programs. And then that had to go through all the works of approval through the university. And this summer we were given the go-ahead and we got approval from the state. And then we proposed our program to the Society for Human Resource Management to get alignment. And so they approved us for alignment this summer as well. So we're happy to roll that program out this fall. Now, with that program, you've made some pretty uh, significant changes that will sort of put it in line with, with the entire HR uh, career across, across the globe, it sounds like. And you're the one that uh, sort of spearheaded those efforts locally. Tell us what, what was the need for doing that. Well, we saw that our area has a pretty high need for human resource management professionals. As you probably know, there are a lot of there are a lot of headquarters in this region, like Nissan, Bridgestone, HCA, Amazon, Oracle's coming, et cetera. And most, well, actually, the National Chamber of Commerce found that those organizations employ collectively around 1,700 HR professionals. Not just those, but the, all the companies in Nashville and this area. And so we saw a growth opportunity for students. And then to take it a little bit further, a lot of those companies recognize SHRM or the Society for Human Resource Management as the gold standard. And so they often put that they're looking for credentialed people in their job ads. And so one thing that this program will do, because it's aligned with SHRM, 
it will allow our students to take their certification exam a little bit earlier than they would have otherwise been able to if they just graduated and gone on to work. And so it should give them a leg up in the job search and it will signal to their employers that they've already been tested in terms of the body of knowledge, they've been prepared. And so it should give them a, a little bit of an edge in the job market. Now, with this area having so many uh, corporate offices and the need for a strong HR program, I was looking this weekend at some of the fluctuations, I guess, some changes in the population. This area is really getting a a phenomenal number of people moving here. Uh, Is that also bringing more corporate uh, locations into our area? I think it will. I really do. Just because the population is is kind of trending toward the tech side and having so many well-known corporate headquarters, it kind of spreads the word that we've got a quality workforce. And MTSU is the largest university in this area. And so we're going to be kind of expected, I think, to be the front runner in terms of preparing graduates to take on jobs at these companies that are moving in and the ones that have already committed to moving here. Now, when you were realigning the program at MTSU in the Jones College of Business, did you have consultation with some of these corporate heads or or are the programs now more in keeping with what their needs are? We have always kind of polled the, the, the corporations we do a program called the Ignite Program for Professional Development for our students. It's college-wide. And one of the things that we do is bring in managers and leaders from the companies around. And we also, when they're here, we, we kind of, you know, formally and informally ask them, well, how does our program line up with what you need? What are our graduates lacking? And so this continuous improvement focus is kind of an been an ongoing thing based on what industry is telling us they need to see in our graduates. But the one of the beautiful things about being aligned with SHRM is that SHRM is representative of over 300,000 professionals around the world. And so they're kind of the, the industry voice, if you will. They're the ones that speak to what an HR professional should really know. And so when you see an organization that posts a job and they say they want to certify the HR professional, they're saying they're in line with what SHRM is is doing and and the the things that SHRM says an HR professional needs to do, that's what they're looking for. Now, as you look at this sort of revitalized HR program at MTSU through the Jones College of Business, are there some areas that you feel, man, we really do shine well, and I'm proud that we did that. What are some of those areas? Wow, we just we have an outstanding faculty. We A lot of us met over the summer last year and a little bit this year to work on this program. And so the faculty is really gung-ho about making sure we equip students to be successful and to find good jobs, not just any job, but, you know, decent well-paying jobs. Another thing that we really shine at is trying to get our students real-world experience. So that can be either through an internship, which is what most people recognize, or experiential projects in the classroom where they maybe work with a client in the community on a real-world HR problem. And so they have the expertise of the professor kind of guiding them through the project 
but they also have to work with that client and practice all their skills, communication and all those things. And so that's another area where not just in the Department of Management, but the Jones College in particular is really good about providing students with experiences. And a little bit of that is due to the accreditation that we have. It kind of requires some level of experiential learning. Very good. Now, as some of the students come into the university, many of them really don't know what area that they would like to specialize in, what area of jobs that they would like to devote the rest of their life to. Uh, How do you help them get into the HR area? Or do most of them say, hey, I want to be in HR, period? (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it is rare for a student to come in out of high school and say, hey, I want to I be an HR manager because it's not a career necessarily that gets a lot of the, the positive um, rewards in an organization. And a lot of students don't know about them. But we do when we have students on campus early on before they start. We have staff who go and present the different majors and we try to inform them of their options you know, before they come, but we also have some things going on after they've started, like there's a Society for Human Resource Management Club, if you will, on campus. It's actually housed in the Department of Psychology, but it's a SHRM chapter, and so they put on a lot of programs and kind of spread the word out that, hey, this is a career, you should look into it. But the, I guess the heart of that, of what you're speaking to, is our advising team, They are really good about communicating all the different things that students can do. And then we have career development on campus that can help students take inventories of their values and their interests and their strengths and show them what careers are good fits for them. And so we have a lot of different vehicles for students to figure out what they would be well suited for. And then lots of people on campus to talk to them about those different career options. Very good. Now, we're going to talk with Dr. Dan Morrell in just a few moments. And before we do that, are there any final thoughts that you would like to share with us? I would just like to say this is an awesome opportunity for students to really get something on their resume that will be evidence of them being career ready. And so if they like people and they like business and they like managing and having something different to do day in, day out, HR is probably a good option for them. Okay, very good. Dr. Christy Abston with us. She is the Associate Professor with MTSU's Human Resource Management Group over at the Jones College of Business. Thank you so much for sharing with us this morning. Thank you so much for having us. Have a great day. Okay, we'll be talking in just a moment with Dr. Dan Morrell, also from the Jones College of Business, Stay with us, won't you? It's 20 minutes past the 8 o'clock hour. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. During these hot summer days, nothing tastes better than a cold, refreshing salad. Demas's Restaurants offer a chicken salad that is served within a pineapple with a bed of lettuce beside of it that is crispy with our homemade dressings. It is a treat for those hot days just to be cool and refreshing. We encourage you to come and try Demas's Restaurant at 1115 Northwest Broad Street at Demas's Restaurants. 
We'll see a few scattered showers and storms at times this afternoon with mostly cloudy skies, a high in the mid-80s. Winds out of the southeast around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 70. Already had some showers this morning. Things are green outside. Yeah. We're continuing our conversation about Middle Tennessee State University. And as promised, Dr. Dan Morell is with us now. And we're going to continue that conversation on uh, MTSU's new concentration in human resource management and the realignment, as we heard about, uh, the Society of Human Resource Management. First of all, Dr. Morell, good morning to you. Good morning. Good to have you with us today. And uh, we just talked a moment ago with Dr. Christy Abston. Tell us a little about uh, some of the things you are so very proud of with this realignment in HR at MTSU. Well, uh, just uh, a lot of the stuff that that, uh, Dr. Abston talked about with, uh, you know, this alignment helps students to be better prepared with um, with the workforce and with the needs of the the corporations in the area. And um, there's a we we try to help them to focus. You know, there's several different jobs you could you could get. You could be an HR generalist, or you could be a recruiter. You could be a compensation specialist. Um, you could be an HR trainer. And then a lot of companies are um, hiring people to do those specific jobs and and get into that uh, that field. Okay, now, what is the area that has the most openings? Let's say somebody is wanting to enter an area where they're assured of getting a good job. Uh, is there an, an area that you can enter and then move on up in the career category? Yeah, um, a lot of companies uh, they they specifically like the the um, the new graduates to work as recruiters. Uh, it's really difficult to um, you know go out and seek and and hire really good employees, and so they they want um, people to go out to the college campuses and to seek out those um, possible candidates. And so they, um, uh, so recruiters is a is a huge category. And then, um, so typically, uh, somebody who's interested in HR will start off as a recruiter, and then they'll move into the um, HR department within the corporate area, and they'll become more of a generalist. Or if the company's big enough, uh, then they could specialize as a benefits manager or on the compensation side or on the training side but um, typically if you're if you're starting off in in HR you're probably going to be in that uh, recruiting function okay and what kind of a pay does does the starting salary come around at um, average pay that that we've been seeing is um, for for somebody with no experience is is normally around forty to fifty thousand dollars, and then for uh, higher up, uh, you know, as you move up within the organization, you could um, get up higher toward the six figures. 
Okay. So what if, if you were describing somebody who would be really good in HR, what kind of a person would that be? What kind of interest would they have? What kind of personality? What would, what would they be like? Well, um, you know, HR is all about people, and so uh, you, it, w- it would be helpful to be a people person uh, because um, a lot of times uh, human resource managers are the, the entry gate, the, the face into the organization. So when you have recruiters go out and and go to the uh, the different colleges and and recruit people, they need to be outgoing, personable, um, and knowledgeable. Um, so you know they need to be conscientious, friendly, um, and uh, you know have a an outgoing personality. And then as you move up. Uh, within the organization, then you also need those skills where, you know, the more technical skills that, that we train for through the, uh, the SHRM alignment. Now, we're almost out of time on this segment of the show, but for people who are new at MTSU, we're about to get started with a, a new uh, group of studies at the university. At what point do they decide on their major uh, and if it's going to be HR, what what do they when do they really jump into that with both feet? Well, typically it's going to be uh, when they're freshman or sophomore. Um, they can now anybody on campus can take a principles of management class as an elective, and so uh, generally we suggest to to take that principles of management class and that's a good overview of management and then you could decide whether you're a people person uh, you know want to be on the HR side or if you're more of a uh, production efficiency and so um, that's like Dr. Wellborn's side and you're going to be talking with him soon mm-hmm. um, Very good. but that's a, that's a good starting class to, to get your direction within management Very good. Well, uh, any final thoughts you have before we leave this morning? Uh well, if anybody has any questions, they could call the Department of Management, and um, it's 898-2736, and we'll be glad to answer any questions that they have. Very good. This is such an important area, and jobs are available, and it, but you have to have the interest. So to find out if that is an area for you, give them a call right there at Middle Tennessee State University in the Jones College of Business. Dr. Dan Morell on this most recent segment visiting with us. Dr. Morell, thank you again. Uh, Thank you so much. Have a great day. We're going to do a little spelunking. (laughs) Have you ever done that? Boy, that's next. This is MTSU President Sidney McPhee. You're listening to WGNS, your local connection to Blue Raider Atlanta. WGNS AM, FM, online. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. And if a scaly friend is on your wish list, come check out our reptile department. We have lots of beautiful reptiles to choose from and all of the supplies to keep them happy and healthy. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Here at Animal City, we have both saltwater and freshwater fish and an experienced staff that can help you take great care of either. 
Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner, and we salute our veterans. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military. I was on a guided missile frigate. Here is today's salute to veterans. I was in combat close to 18 months. Got out on early release in 73 when the ceasefire occurred. The so-called end of the hostilities (laughs) never really did until 75, but for us it did, and I was early out because of my combat service. Vietnam veteran Ralph Gervasio. What was the atmosphere like when you did come home in the 70s? It It was really poor. Couldn't come home in my uniform, let's put it that way. I had to come home in civilian clothes because of the flights and because of the airports and the kind of reception that I could possibly get. You hear a lot of negative things about uh, when the Marines came back, and it's all true. In the latter part of the war, they didn't want us to have eggs thrown at us or uh, slurs or things of that sort, so I had to come home in civilian clothes. I didn't admit that I was a Vietnam veteran at all until in the 1980s. I couldn't get my old job back because I served in Vietnam. And so from that point until the 1980s, I never admitted I was a veteran at all. It would have been a negative, not a positive. You know, you don't hate the warrior, you hate the war. Vietnam veteran Ralph Gervasio. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. Don't throw away old flags. WGNS retires old glory with respect. Bring those tattered Bibles here too. We're more than talk. Our salute to Middle Tennessee State University continues. Dr. Mark Avalins is with us, geosciences professor and senior geosciences major. Uh, Michelle Moore also here. And we're going to be talking about uh, some of the programs at MTSU dealing with caves. Well, you're in the right area for that. We're in the cave kingdom of the world, it seems like. Dr. Ablins, good morning to you. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Good to have you with us today. One of the big caves in this area that everybody knows about uh, is Snail Shell Cave. Uh, tell us a little about that, because I know that's, that's one that the university is very closely associated with. Snail Shell Cave uh, is, is just a wonderful cave to have uh, close to the MTSU campus in southwestern Rutherford County. Uh, It's inside a southeastern cave conservancy preserve, uh, and it's home to uh, cave creatures uh, that, uh, uh, you know, live in caves and and pretty much, uh, you know, not, uh, not many other places 
um, the southern cave fish, uh, the Tennessee cave salamander, uh, just wonderful cave life. Uh, and it's a, a great place for our Middle Tennessee State University students to visit. Now, with so many caves in the area, uh, you, you, have, uh, you have a variety of places in which students can visit. What, first of all, why are there so many caves here in Rutherford County? That's a great question. It's because of the limestone rock uh, that is common just beneath the soil. We have that rock, and we have a pretty good amount of rainfall, uh, and you put those two things together, and over a long amount of time, the earth gets hollowed out, creating these caves. Now, if a student uh, says, I want to learn about caving, I want to learn about geoscience and things of that sort, what would that education enable them to do? Uh, it would enable them to do a whole variety of things. Uh, show caves uh, are part of Tennessee's economy. Those are Tennessee businesses. Uh, there are also opportunities in conservation at state and national parks. Uh, many opportunities to participate in uh, stewardship of the earth uh, and also uh, bringing people uh, to the caves uh, so that they can appreciate this wonderful aspect of Tennessee's landscape. Now, in addition to Snail Shell Cave over in Rockvale, uh, there are other caves that we think of. I, one of the caves, I guess, we, that comes to mind foremost is Mammoth Cave up in Kentucky. I understand you're going to be taking a group of students there. Uh, I, I will take a group of students there. Mammoth Cave uh, has the largest mapped length of any cave in the world. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and it is just, uh, you know, a, a little bit more than a two-hour drive from campus. Uh, so it's my pleasure uh, this fall to take a group of students up there uh, to experience that. Now, somebody told me that, and this could have been a far-fetched tale, that uh, there might be some connections from Rutherford County, cave connections, all the way up to Mammoth Cave. Could that be possible? Uh, that That's beyond anything that science knows. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, you know, connections and, and the length of caves and so on, uh, there's something that certain individuals will hold uh, very uh, uh, near and dear to them. But, you know, I prefer to recognize that, you know, however long these caves are and, you know, what's connected and what's not connected, uh, it's just tremendously wonderful to have these caves uh, and the living things in them, you know, including the, the salamanders and the fish and also bats and you know, just a whole variety of living things uh, to, to have them here in our state and adjoining states. How does Tennessee compare to other states as far as numbers of caves? Yeah, more, more than any other state in America. Are you kidding? Uh, more than no. any? 
more than any, uh, uh, you know, more caves are being discovered all the time, uh, more length of caves, uh, you know, getting mapped all the time. Uh, but uh, as best as people know at this time, Tennessee has more caves than any other American state. It's cave central. Oh, wow. Uh, let me ask you this, because Middle Tennessee State University is involved with a very fascinating cave. Uh, this was a cave that is fascinating and has been discussed on this program many times, and that's Black Cat Cave yes. over by the VA hospital. That was sort of a honky-tonk in the 20s and 30s. Uh, didn't have air conditioning, so people would go there and uh, have fun and uh, live music and what have you. Uh, but it has since been discovered to have something else. What is the real historical attraction to Black Cat Cave? Uh, Black Cat Cave uh, is another one of these caves that's just a, a real resource to our community. Um, uh, I, I, I have been inside the cave. I have been. I, I've seen uh, some of uh, what's left over there from the 1920s and 30s, uh, some of the, the, uh, the work uh, inside uh, that was put into that back when it was an entertainment venue. Uh, it's it's just a tremendous cave. Now it's it's got a prehistoric uh, story to it as well, uh, involving uh, uh, you know Native Americans uh, as well as discoveries of animal remains, um, uh, and uh, you know that part of it. Uh, I encourage you to, to you know as you have in the past to reach out to other experts. But uh, it uh, I did have the privilege of going inside many years ago and. Uh, you know, yeah, exactly as you're saying. Uh, you know, there there's uh, some uh, concrete work in there, and uh, you know, some modifications that were made back when people uh, used to go there to have fun. How far back does that cave, time-wise? How far back does that cave go as far as historical connections to humans? Yeah, again, you'll you'll have to bring in somebody else to to really do justice. Uh, to that story, but uh, I got to tell you, as somebody who has actually been inside, uh, it was just uh, incredible to, uh, to to see that place that is part of Murfreesboro's history, uh, including during the 20s and 30s. While we're talking about local area caves, I've heard a lot of people talk about the cave that was uh, over behind where the Discovery Center is now located. Th this is the cave Rumors have it that uh, the Indian chief Black Fox dove into the water up at uh, Black Fox Springs and uh, swam underground. It's a good story <laughs> to get away from uh, Andrew Jackson, who was here with a hunting party. Uh, and have you seen that cave? Have you explored that cave? I've heard a lot of people I, say they've been in it. Yeah. I, I have personally not explored that cave, but one thing I, uh, I'll definitely that, that I've definitely noticed about that story um, is that those who tell it are demonstrating knowledge that uh, caves and springs are connected, uh, and that is an important connection to make around here. Uh, it's important for uh, stewardship uh, to our landscape uh, and our natural areas. Uh, that there are connections, uh, and that uh, what happens uh, at uh, the mouth of a cave uh, or at a sinkhole uh, could affect a spring uh, some distance away 
uh, with uh, travel uh, from the mouth of the cave uh, through a cave stream um, to a spring. Uh, the connection is hidden underground, uh, but there are connections there. Now, you mentioned the word sinkhole. Sinkholes are in the news quite a bit. We've heard of along the interstate uh, over in neighboring Coffee County. People were driving down the interstate a few years back, and a sinkhole appeared right in the interstate. Fortunately, nobody drove into it. Another right. one in the news was up around uh, the Corvette Museum in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I know you've heard that story. H- huge story, yes. Uh, are sinkholes in caves, are, are, are those two synonymous together? And, and is that sort of the bad edge of the sword, so to speak? Uh, yeah, in, you know, in an English class sense, uh, they're not synonyms, uh, but there are connections. Uh, and uh, we, that is an aspect of living uh, in this part of the country, um, uh, you know, being careful um, to uh, avoid constructing uh, in sinkholes to the extent that that's possible, you know, working with professionals who understand the landscape and understand sinkholes and such, uh, working with them uh, to uh, hopefully avoid problems up front uh, you, you just uh, mentioned a couple of spectacular examples uh, of what uh, people seek to avoid uh, in this kind of landscape. Obviously, it's hard to know that they're there. I don't think the people at the Corvette Museum uh, would have built where they have their museum if they had known that there was a cavern below it and a, you know, a whole group of, of those classic cars went tumbling down one one. Uh, one middle of the night, I guess it was. Uh, it was interesting. They did capture it on surveillance video there in the museum. So you could actually see the floor open up and the cars go tumbling down. I know. Uh, it, 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 it's incredible. And, and uh, I think one of the good things about that is, you know, that it does encourage people to recognize this is something that, that we need to be careful to live with. Now, in terms of spotting sinkholes, um, there are advanced technologies that can help with that. Um, there's something called light detection and ranging, or LIDAR. Uh, it's essentially laser range finding. Uh, an aircraft flies back and forth over the landscape uh, and shoots a laser beam down at the surface, allowing uh, the very detailed mapping of the elevations of the land and with that kind of technology, technology that has been employed uh, in uh, this part of the world, Rutherford County, within the last five years, uh, it is possible to spot in the landscape uh, even very gentle depressions uh, and to take that information to uh, the professionals and the experts who know about this sort of thing uh, and, uh, you know, help. Uh, spot problems before they develop and and help uh, contend with any problems that have started to develop. Fortunately, we don't have a lot of catastrophic collapse in Tennessee itself, you know, like what happened up in Kentucky, but we do have sinkholes and and we do have some some slow subsidence uh, over time, uh, as well as some other uh, potential sinkhole-related problems. So I guess these are areas in which students 
who choose to study uh, the geosciences uh, program at MTSU, uh, they would be taught in these areas and could be very productive uh, business people. That, that, that's correct. Yes, that, that, that's exactly right. You began all of this by asking, well, you know, if students learn about this, then what do they do with it? And I, I gave a few examples. But yes, more broadly, you know, you, you get into cave science, um, uh, spelunking, speleology, caving, uh, as many of the enthusiasts call it. Uh, you, you get into this sort of thing, uh, and there are a lot of possibilities, you know, like helping people live in a landscape that has sinkholes uh, that uh, provide good jobs and also uh, allow the students uh, to do good uh, and uh, to help others live with this landscape. Very definitely. Now, for people who are hearing this and thinking, I would like to learn more about that at MTSU, what do they need to do? Uh, just Google MTSU Geosciences, uh, and it'll take you right to the MTSU Geosciences Department. Um, uh, and uh, through the Geosciences Department, it's possible to learn more about all aspects of the earth. We have degree programs uh, in both geosciences and environmental sciences. Uh, it is just a, a wonderful, wonderful range of opportunities for those who want to get involved uh, in understanding the earth, being good stewards of the earth, uh, and also, uh, you know, ultimately uh, getting into some great careers. Very definitely. Dr. Mark Abelins, a geosciences professor at Middle Tennessee State University, our guest in this segment. Thank you for sharing fascinating information. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. It was my pleasure. You have a great day. Stay with us. Much more to come in just a second. We're going to touch on something that's going to impact everybody. The Action Line, Rutherford Issues, The Morning News, Swap and Shop, The Crewman Show. We're keeping it local on WGNS, AM, FM, online. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family owned and operated since 1989. This is Jeff Graham with Tire World. I want to invite you to visit our new off-road department at our Memorial Boulevard location, featuring lift kits, leveling kits, light bars, as well as wheel and tire packages. Just come by and ask for Gator for all your off-road needs. That's Tire World on Memorial Boulevard. Good morning. It's been limping along over here on 840 all morning along. It seems like we've had accidents and this road work. Again, it's looking a little bit better here on 840 up by Highway 41. But again, it's been pretty insane over here already this time of the morning. Uh, what's that say for the rest of the day? Hey, Oktoberfest at Obergatlenburg is coming up September 24th through October 31st. Log on to Obergatlenburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. We'll see a few scattered showers and storms at times this afternoon with mostly cloudy skies, a high in the mid-80s. Winds out of the southeast around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 70. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County but will always remain a community bank with local people you trust 
and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSradio.com. We're continuing that focus on activities at Middle Tennessee State University. And now we're going to learn something that is impacting, already has impacted all of us. We're going to be talking about MTSU's concentration in supply chain management. It is now a standalone major, supply chain management. Dr. Cliff Welburn is with us in this segment. He's a professor at the Jones College of Business in the Department of Management. And Dr. Welburn, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart, and uh, thanks for having me on. Um, we're really excited to share some of the developments that have happened in supply chain. So, so we're looking forward to this today. Now, for somebody who uh, is, is not connected in their mind what we're talking about, why is supply chain management impacting so many these days? So that's a great question, and I think probably a question that a lot of people have, because supply chain management isn't like a lot of the other majors that that's sort of common knowledge or common terminology, or at least maybe it wasn't common knowledge until the pandemic hit. And probably for a lot of people, the first time they ever heard the word supply chain was centered around a toilet paper shortage last year when the pandemic first hit. And, and that's when people started hearing these terms about supply chain and what a supply chain and why don't we have toilet paper on the shelves? Um, why don't we have more ventilators in the hospitals? How come we can't get medical masks? So supply chain management is really just all of the steps and the decisions that go on to bring a product from raw materials to the store shelf. And there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that happen. And when it's happening um, efficiently and smoothly, you don't even realize it's happening. You just use the product that's there for you. When it's not happening at the rate or the way that you want it to happen, that's when people start asking questions about where do these things come from and how many can you make in a day and how come you have them over there but they're not over here. Uh, did we have problems with supply chain management prior to the pandemic, or is this something that has come with this era? You know, there have always been there have always been problems with supply chain management, but they just haven't been as visible. So you may have gone to the grocery store one day and and had a list of twenty items, and maybe nineteen of the items were on the shelf, and one of them wasn't. And you probably didn't really sit and think and ask a lot of questions about, well, I wonder why that one item isn't on the shelf. Well, that one item wasn't on the shelf because of some kind of disruption in the supply chain. It's just that it wasn't on the national news um, when it was just a grocery item in a grocery store. The pandemic just drew so much more attention to supply chain problems. And, of course, it magnified the supply chain problems because because we had demand just going crazy. So um, toilet paper, again, I think was one that most people are familiar with. You had these panic buys. So there was a certain level of demand for toilet paper, and all of a sudden there was a huge demand for toilet paper, and the supply chain just couldn't respond. Same way with ventilators, same way with medical masks. 
Now, are we seeing that uh, we, we notice a huge increase in lumber prices, which is causing uh, construction cost and sale of businesses and as well as homes to uh, escalate dramatically. Is that a supply chain problem? Sure. Um, you know, supply chain really, because it's all these different steps to bring a product to market, um, we sort of start off with, with the purchasing of raw material, So that's kind of the beginning of the supply chain for most organizations. Then the scheduling of manufacturing, and finally the the planning of the delivery, or what a lot of people refer to as logistics. So kind of those phases um, really have to do with everything that, that it takes to bring a product to market. So when you see increases in cost, you can kind of go back through the supply chain, and you're going to find that there was something, some kind of disruption in the supply chain that caused that increase in cost. It's either an increase in the raw materials or maybe availability of manufacturing or logistical, you know, gas prices go up, so it costs more to deliver the product. So absolutely, these, these lumber costs that are going up, that is directly affected to supply chain. And I think that's a good point that supply chain jobs aren't just found in sort of air quote supply chain companies. We really don't have a whole lot of supply chain companies. You just have companies that are that are producing goods and services. So in that lumber industry, there are many people who are in the supply chain field who work in the lumber industry, just like there are people in supply chain that work in the auto industry. We have good friends up the road here at Nissan. And you might think of, well, Nissan's a, a auto manufacturing company. What would they have to do with supply chain? Well, there's supply chain analysts working at Nissan that are doing those things I was just talking about, sourcing the raw materials that it takes to build the cars, planning the production, and handling all the logistics of how you move materials. In fact, I think Nissan is closed right now because they can't get enough of these chips that are used in the manufacturing of all vehicles. It's not just Nissan that's having problems. It's all auto manufacturers all around the world. They can't get the chips. Bart, we need to uh, we need to get you on maybe as a uh, guest speaker in one of our supply chain classes because I can tell you've done your homework, done your research. <laughs> this impacts all of us. Uh, I wanted to ask you, if you're a student uh, in MTSU supply chain management, uh, you would be one of the people who would be trying to solve these problems. Is that right? You know what? That's exactly right. And maybe we need to get you on our marketing team also. Um, I have a note here. You know, at a, at a really high level, when we try to talk to students about um, what is supply chain, of course, we get into the details about, about finding raw materials and manufacturing. But at a high level, we talk about it's solving problems, it's helping people, and it's working in teams. So you're absolutely right. If if those three sound interesting to a student, if you think, I like to solve problems, I want to help people, and I like to work in a team, then you ought to start looking at supply chain. Then we'll kind of go into more of the details of exactly what are you doing. And it sounds like there's always an opportunity to solve a problem. We don't have to hope that, and goodness knows, we don't hope the pandemic continues, but uh, you'll have supply chain issues without the pandemic, it sounds like. That's right. Um, So you mentioned at the beginning of the segment that that we're converting from a concentration to a major. So um, we, we started a concentration, supply chain concentration, three years ago, fall of 2018. 
Um, we've experienced tremendous growth. We had 18 students in the fall of 2018 in our concentration. Um, last, the beginning of last school year, we had 112. So we went from 18 to 112 in a three-year period. Uh, and that wasn't because of the pandemic. Of course, that was three years ago. So that was before the pandemic. Um, so supply chain has been around, I, I won't say for a long time, again, compared to some other majors, but for, for several years been around. Um, we have really good connections with a lot of the large companies in the area, Nissan, Dollar General, uh, Frito-Lay, Yazaki, Store Opening Solutions. Um, so there are always opportunities for careers and because there's always opportunities to solve problems. Now, I guess you could really, in the broadest sense, say the restaurant business is having a supply chain problem, not only in getting food, but in getting enough uh, waiters and waitresses. Uh, that's part of the supply chain, I guess. That is part of the supply chain. Uh, you know, you mentioned the, the restaurant industry, also the logistics industry. So Middle Tennessee, um, Rutherford County is w- within a 10-hour drive of 50% of the population of the United States. So, you know, anybody that's driven on our interstate system knows that if you just look off to the side, you're going to find a distribu- you know, warehouse, distribution warehouses all up and down these interstates. Um, they're having the same problem that the restaurant industry is having, is they just can't find enough people to staff these distribution centers just like the restaurant industry is. Now, for people who are looking at getting a good, solid job once they graduate from college, uh, would this be an area that they would really find some some great opportunities? Ooh, thanks for asking that question, Bart. Um, so the Rutherford County Chamber of Commerce did some work a couple of years ago. They went out and they, they studied Rutherford County and what kind of jobs are going to be in the future. And they identified five industries, kind of five career paths, that they identify as high wage and high demand. So going to be lots of jobs and the wages are going to be high. Five industries for that. Supply chain management was one of those five industries. So if you're in the Middle Tennessee area, 